Today on the podcast, we review The Nun, the latest film in the Conjuring universe. We also talk about films that scared the shit out of us, and then we go back to that island where we've been pushing too many pencils in our review of The Predator. In a cloud where there are already too many film podcasts, you have to ask yourself, what's the harm in one more? Two ordinary men armed with unqualified opinions. Talk Filmy to Me. Hello, welcome to the Talk Filmy to Me podcast, the film podcast about news, entertainment, general pop culture. It's the podcast that isn't superstitious, but just as a precaution, had a Romanian nun bless the studio. Speaking of blessed, I've got my originator, my main boy, my best guy. If John is the priest in the church of film, this guy is surely the state and they shall never meet. Jamie, how you doing, buddy? (laughs) I don't even know how to respond to that. But I totally agree with you. State and church should never meet. (laughs) Um, Big shout out to Holly Craig of Witch Murder Podcast. She bigged us up earlier this week and gave us a glowing review. And also, we can only do the same in return. Please listen to a podcast they talk about unsolved murders and witches maybe uh... no 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 it's about unsolved murders oh, and uh, yeah you've got to, you've got to be of a, a certain interest to love it but but trust me it is pretty damn good they do oh, their wow. research it's good anyway shall we instead of bigging up someone else's podcast fuck the rest of them let's talk about our podcast talk, yes, the podcast <laughs> the podcast okay so we crack on with news news Henry Cavill Superman uh, as we come to know him he's also the moustache in Mission Impossible among other things Things. He has been leaving some cryptic messages over the internet over the week. So it was reported on Hollywood Reporter the other week that um, Warner Brothers have decided to move in a different direction with Superman. And uh, this is unconfirmed still, but um, Michael B. Jordan was linked with the role, which is kind yeah, of interesting. Lots yeah. of interesting debate about that. Um, but let's talk about what Henry Cavill responded with straight away. So on his uh, Instagram account, he's wearing a... a Branded Superman shirt, which kind of looks cool. It says Kryptonian lifting team, which is kind of awesome. And he's holding up a Superman toy. And with the caption of, well, today's rather interesting, hashtag Superman. So that doesn't sound like someone who's just stopped playing the role, does it? No. I've got to admit, I misread the article at first. (laughs) When it said Michael B. Jordan. I was like, Michael Jordan? I thought he played basketball. Like, oh my god! Is he going to get into acting? It's Space Jam Two. Oh. Superman lives. I was like, yes. I did not realise that was ridiculous. Uh, <laughs> um, don't get me wrong. I don't. I don't think that we shouldn't never have a black Superman or anything like that. But I just really enjoy Henry Cavill. I think he's. I think he's only just found his footing with the role. And yeah, don't get me wrong. Justice League was fucking terrible, but. Mm. You could say that Henry Cavill finally got that chance to be the Superman that we all kind of know and love. A bit more yeah. Christopher Reeve inspired, a bit more mm-hmm. of his own sort of take on it as well. So I I really hope that this isn't true. Personally, I think that actually what's happening here is Henry Cavill would have had a contract for a certain number yeah. of films. Yeah. And they're currently finishing off Shazam, is in the latest uh, DC Extended Universe, whatever they're calling it, movie. Mm. And uh, there's lots of homages to Superman in that film, to the yeah. point where you can... You know, rational thought would lead to believe that maybe there's a cameo in that. So yeah. maybe that's his final appearance and Warner Brothers has to sit down and go, right, when we first signed you, you were relatively unknown. You're now one of the biggest stars on the planet. So his people are probably playing hardball with that contract. Yeah. And this is Warner Brothers going, oh, well, just to kind of throw a curveball in there and just to remind yeah. him, we can replace you. Yeah. Um, so I think he's still about, and I'm hoping he is anyway. I do as well, because I think he's actually a good Superman. I mean, he's, I almost feel like he's um, a bit of a homage to sort of the Christopher Reeve type uh, Superman as well. There's a very sort of classical uh, suaveness about him, isn't there? You know, like, yeah. And, and, and I think the Supermans we've had in between, 
have all been okay, but the Superman movies are either awesome or not. <laughs> <laughs> there is no. Do you want, a, do you want a, a little filmy fact for you then? Since you brought up Christopher Reeve and, and Henry Cavill, mm. so in Man of Steel. Yeah, uh, towards the end of the film. Oh, I, ah, I know this yeah. one. I know this okay, one, yeah. so uh, it's a proper freeze and miss it moment. The scene where the world changing engine's about to about to blow up the mm. I think it's the Indian Ocean, and uh, there's a scene where Superman gets gets beaten up by it. Effectively, it pans to one shot, just to, and it's literally a frame yeah. of Christopher Reeve basically being beaten up as yeah. opposed to, to Henry Cavill. And I swear, if you put those pictures next to each other, yeah. like here's the spitting image of it, it especially really when he puts the glasses on and Clark Kent That's at the it. end as well, right? Yeah, I think, and I think for a lot of people, when you think of Superman, you think of Christopher Reeve, don't you? Yeah. Well, of a certain generation do at least. And I think seeing that sort of homage and, and an actor who's relatively unknown uh, and then brought into that limelight, not because he looked like Christopher Reeve, but yeah, that was a, a nice additional extra. Yeah. Um, yeah, I hope he does stay on. Well, speaking of someone who isn't staying on, it's pretty much all but confirmed that Ben Affleck's not going to be playing Batman anymore. He's gone uh, back into... Batfleck! Batfleck! I, I have to say, I was one of those people initially that was like, Ben Affleck, Batman, nah, not happening. Not, not going to work. It's not going to work. <laughs> to be honest, I was, I was the same. Wrong. Yeah, and I, I was definitely wrong. I was wrong about Heath Ledger. When I first yeah. heard Heath Ledger, I was like, no. And then it turns out he, he slapped me in the face with his amazing acting dick. And I was yeah. like, fuck me, this guy not is incredible. Once, not twice, but multiple times he slapped you with that <laughs> amazing acting dick. <laughs> exactly. And I was like, damn, man, this guy is well hung in terms of acting. Uh, but uh, <laughs> we won't go there anymore. But um, Ben Affleck's no longer playing Batman, but John Hamm has oh. stepped up and said that he would be very interested in playing the role. John Hamm, Mad Men, uh, Mr. Draper himself, he has uh, come out and said that he'll be very interested in the role. Under one condition, the script has oh, to be dynamite. And uh, it's got Matt Reeves directing the Batman. Yeah. Uh, they couldn't run it, they've run out of things to call it, so that's what they're calling it. Matt yeah. Reeves, director and writer of the the second and third um, Planet of the Apes movies. So mm. he obviously can make big big production films and, and do it really well so I'm really excited I'm a massive John Hamm fan Mad Men for me is one of the classic TV shows and he's an amazing actor did you ever mm. like Mad Men? I liked Mad Men but he's also been in lots of like like un- unexpected roles as well, as well isn't he like some British TV yeah he's got Black Mirror and, yeah, and yeah comedies and stuff as well so it's, he's a very diverse actor yeah um, do you know he, he actually was going he He'd become an alcoholic because of Mad Men. Oh, really? So all those scenes where he was supposed to be, yeah, where yeah. like Don's getting yeah. off his off his tits. He actually was getting off his tits, Probably. and people were just like, "Has John switched his apple juice again for whiskey?" <laughs> Is it? Yep, yeah, yes, he's drinking whiskey. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I suppose it's not a far stretch of the imagination to say that he's playing an, yeah. uh, a billionaire playboy who's uh, who's who's got his own demons. So, yeah. so there he's, we go. he's definitely got the the diversity in his acting ability to be able to pull that off. Yeah. Strong chin. You have a strong he's got chin. A very strong chin. I've mean, just pulled up some images of him here, and they're all sort of just like the chin is strutting. Out. <laughs> one with him with his beard as well, and he looks magnificent with a beard. I tell you. Yeah, he's he's a, he's a great bearded yeah. man as well. So. Um, <laughs> So anyway, let's move away from that. Let's talk about other casting news. So Aaron Paul, Breaking Bad bitch, he is he's been hired for Westworld season three. Right. We don't know what his character is yet. This has got me really excited. I'm a massive fan of Aaron mm. Paul. And people always go, Why are you a big fan of him? He's right in Breaking Bad. I was like, Yeah, but that's enough. Yeah. Fact, he's he's earned a free pass for life. He probably doesn't need to act again now. <laughs> yeah. Ever. Like, he he <laughs> once said in an interview, um, he was sitting at an airport, his flight got delayed, and he 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 proper uh, embodies his character, right? He knows 
people just you know he he gets he never takes himself too seriously so he tweeted just going ask me anything and some he says i'm at this airport ask me anything waiting for my flight and someone tweeted him saying um, it's my birthday I would love for you to call me bitch. And he says, I'm waiting at this terminal. Come and get it. <laughs> right. He said, within five minutes, a thousand people turn up. All just wanted to be called bitch. <laughs> and his face was just like, they wanted me to just, so I did. I just sat there. I went, bitch, bitch, bitch. <laughs> Brilliant. So, um, so yeah, Westworld, did that get you? Did you? Were you I on? really liked Westworld. It was a different TV show, wasn't it? I mean, yeah. I think, I think quite early on, everyone sort of figured out, you know, in season one, everyone sort of figured out there was something up, didn't they? Like, it was it was robots. Or I think people got there very quickly. Didn't I they? think these cowboys are a bit more mechanical than yeah. they're letting on. I don't think this is a Wild West TV show. Um, I mean, I can't admit, at first I didn't watch it because I was not a big fan of Westerns. Um, and it... It took me, you know, talking to people and reading and realizing, oh, it's not a western, really. They hooked me in because Nolan is part yeah. of it. Like it's he's he him and oh, I can't remember her name now. I think it's Jessica Joy. Um, they they wrote it together, and yeah. I thought you don't go and acquire the rights to some old film in the sixties and put all this money behind it and production behind yeah. it if there wasn't something really strong behind it. Yeah. And also, um, the cast were incredible. Well, oh, I agree with you. The yeah. general premise of a Western does not get me excited. Mm. But I thought season two was a bit... I don't know. It was just went in a weird direction. Mm. Yeah, I mean, the whole robots having feelings is a bit... Oh, been there, done that. <laughs> okay, I'll go with it. I still don't understand why these designers don't have a master kill switch. <laughs> you know, if yeah. I ever build a robot army... Oh, sorry. I mean, a robot population, not army. Why do I say army? I well, well they, they become an army. Yeah, well, they would do for me. I mean, why did I say <laughs> that? I um, you'd have a kill switch, surely. Just bang, done. Or an EMP. Yeah. Done. Game over. End of season. Yeah. Be pretty. I suppose it wouldn't be very entertaining, would it? Or, or, <laughs> or why would you build in so many subroutines and all that sort of stuff? Yeah. Like, surely it's just a, that's just so inefficient. They're still working when no one's around. I suppose that's come from Anthony Hopkins' character, isn't it? Trying to build something. Did that you see? I love Anthony Hopkins just in yeah. general, but something that makes him even more of a legend on social media, he is prolific. And you think some yeah. a man of his age, you think yeah. he wouldn't be bothered about social media, but he just tweets videos of him going batshit crazy. <laughs> like he goes, "Oh, I was bored today, so I recorded this video." And it's just him going, He's just jumping <laughs> up and down on the spot. It's like you know what? There's life in the old dog yeah, yet, yeah, so yeah. that's always good, good to argument. see. <laughs> um, okay, so Candyman, Candyman, Candyman. Um, did you ever like the Candyman films? Remember them? <laughs> yeah, I mean, they were, they, were, they were funny horrors. Oh, sorry, they weren't supposed to be funny, but they were enjoyable horrors. Yeah, okay. They, 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 Candyman! <laughs> they've got their place in, in horror yeah. lore, right? Yeah. Anyway, um, it's being rebooted, and Jordan Peele is being reportedly eyed up for this. Uh, Jordan Peele, you might know him as the director of Get Out. He was also the producer on Black Klansman. He is one of Hollywood's hottest properties to, to get involved in a movie. Mm. And... It's kind of right up his alley, right? Because Candyman, wasn't he like one of the... the not first, because there's been tons of films, but he was one of the iconic black horror oh, yeah, yeah, like yeah. bad guys, right? So yeah. this is interesting. I'm kind of I'm like... As soon as, she, as soon as the name Jordan Peele started appearing on sheets, like this is getting people interested. And I wonder if this is going to go like more Bloomhouse-y, where it's basically kind of low budget, but but good bang for your buck. So it's a, a really good high up, high-end film. Or already got to go down the classic 80s horror mode of it's kind of like a trash movie but it's okay yeah it's 
Yeah, I, I, it's a difficult one, isn't it? Because a lot of films like that recently where, you know, they, 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 some of these films don't stand the test of time, do they? No. Like, as in the original format. And I think there is an element now where I think these films get made with bigger budgets, made properly, made to be that next level of scary. Well, they try to, don't they? Mm. Uh, I don't think they always hit the mark, but... But... Jordan Peele, amazing director. Yeah. Get yeah. Out is absolutely incredible. Uh, I don't want to keep comparing everything to that that he does, but you can't help but be drawn to that at the moment. Um, so, yeah, let's just kind of wait and see what comes mm. from that. And anyway, just to, to round off news this week, so it was Toronto Film Festival last week. We talked about it a little bit last week. Mm. Um, Olivia Munn, who is in the new Predator film, she was coming out and doing various interviews. She was coming out, I'm coming up. No, she was, uh, <laughs> she was obviously doing part of her contractual obligations, which is you have to promote the film. And she timefully and rightfully so used this as an opportunity to highlight she had a problem with some of the casting uh, Shane Black it come to light that Shane Black hired a person who is a convicted sex offender and this person was hired in a small role in the film but he's actually been in quite a few of Shane Black's films yeah. he's been in stuff from Iron Man 3 to the the nice guys he's been involved in quite a lot of these films now I think his name's Stephen something or other uh, forgive me I haven't got the exact name but um, basically she's come out and said I, I wasn't aware and the studio wasn't aware of this person's history and it's opened up a big question about what should we know about our fellow workmates what should we know about our fellow cast members if you're an actor and a director has an obligation to keep his staff safe and yeah. look there's no there's no suggestion that this person would have assaulted anyone on the set or anything like that but people have a right to know this sort of thing and also there's this kind of thing happened in Hollywood for the last god knows how many years it's the same in any industry really that sometimes you hire your mates and yeah. sometimes you don't follow due process you just give your mate a job because they need a job mm. and it's sparked a lot of healthy debate but hopefully the right conversation is now being had anyway since then that person in question has been taken out of the film those scenes have been removed and Olivia Mann has basically come out and said look I'm doing my contractual obligation to promote this film but I'm not happy with the scenario oh right so yeah it's yeah, a bit of a dark way to end it. Well, yeah, exactly. Sorry. But that also might explain why um, apparently there was no UK press screening for Predator at all. Oh, like really? they, they, I don't know whether they pulled it or whatever. The only reviews that you've got before before this week have been because they done one screening in the Toronto Film Festival. So box office-wise, I don't think it's going to harm it because I don't no, think no. many people are aware of this news. But... No. I do think the future, like if if this film does set up for sequels and stuff, it's definitely not going to be of Shane Black at the helm anyway. Right, and but yeah, yeah, I, I get that. But just to end on a bit of a lighter note, because I think you know the news took a bit of a dark turn there. <laughs> <laughs> well, a bit of a sad turn, should we say? Um, Venom. Mm-hmm. I know you're very excited about Venom. Yep. And I think it's going to come out. Is it going to be rated as a 12A in the UK? I think. Yep. So that's a little bit disappointing. The director has come out yesterday saying that he's doesn't uh, he hasn't ruled out the idea of releasing an unrated cut for home release oh that'd be cool so we might get a, the venom we want yeah not not the venom we deserve <laughs> but, uh, but I'm, I'm really stoked about this film to us i really enjoy the trailers i i, I personally love it a lot yeah. of a lot of people out there are panning this film saying oh it looks shit it's not spider-man tom yeah. hardy's is kind of not not look right in this role i think it looks fantastic so long may it continue sony <laughs> give us a screen up <laughs> reply to my emails <laughs> well you've got a horrible cough there my oh, friend. yeah it's it it a terrible cough but uh, but anyway that's your news for this week i think it was real it may 
may shock you. It might even horrify you. So if any of you feel that you do not care to subject your nerves to such a strain, now is your chance to... Uh, well, we've warned you. So, this week we're going to talk a little bit more about horror. We're going to talk about The Predator, we're talking about The Nun, but also we want to talk about just films that we liked that scared the crap out of us. Now, it doesn't have to be when we were a kid, it doesn't have to be, doesn't have to be 10 minutes ago, it can be, be whenever. But whenever I think about, whenever I'm in the cinema and I'm watching a, a film that's a horror or everything else, my mind always jumps, for me, to the Paranormal Activity films. Mm. Um, I remember I discovered Paranormal Activity in 2006 and I found it on a dodgy illegal downloading site <laughs> which uh, this was long before the film cinematic release actually mm. Paranormal Activity was made as a low budget film and it was doing the rounds at the film festivals for a long time before yeah. Bloomhouse picked it up and, and made it the success mm. it was and I I remember I was on I think it was on Reddit and someone said this film is, is they said in this forum it's based on a true story that's what always makes a film scary, isn't it? Yeah. Is when you think it's based on a true story. That's when it freaks you out. And I remember I was watching it about like one in the morning and it was a terrible quality. I was watching it, but it was, it was shaky cam yeah. footage anyway, so it doesn't really matter. And I stayed up all night. And as part of the, the build-up to the marketing campaign, they had the foresight for the actors to use their actual names. Right. So they then planted these fake news reports of... Uh, I can't remember her name. Is it Misha um, and uh, Mika? That was it. The guy okay. and uh, I think her name was Claire. I can't remember now. But anyway, the the main character is going missing. Oh, so wow. I went and googled after the film. So I was like, oh no, it's, it's clearly bullshit. It's clearly bullshit. And I was googling. <laughs> and I was like, they're missing. What? 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 Still not found. Uh, Mika found dead in house, just like the end of the film. Footage stolen from from evidence locker. Oh my god, this is real! And that that stayed with me for for a long time yeah. until I realised that they were just very clever marketing people. Well, it was the first time that was ever done, wasn't it? Yeah, that's yeah, the, yeah. Uh, that's that's the cleverness of it. I mean, you think about Blair Witch Project. Yeah, yeah. I remember that came out when we would have been about thirteen. Oh, uh, Nineteen ninety nine. It came out. So, so twelve. So twelve, yeah, um, absolutely terrifying. The rumours <laughs> that went round about that, about how they found the camera underneath some ash, and that ash hadn't been disturbed for two hundred years. How is that possible? And I remember hearing this going, "How how is that possible? What that?" <laughs> did the wish to oh, oh god I don't like this and, and do you know what I heard all those rumours and I didn't watch the film for many many years because I was so scared to watch I was uh, like from from the campaign I was so scared that I didn't even watch the film till many years later really? yeah like the campaign did such a good job of me I didn't even see the film and I was terrified I was like I don't want to see this I don't want to know what's going on wow I've heard wow. the rumours that's now, enough see when I hear this sort of stuff like I feel like I have to see it even though I don't like, I'm one of those people oh, these days yes yeah. as a 12 year old okay no <laughs> but it's quite interesting how like certain scenes from a film like if you've just seen it in pop culture or you've, you've just heard of it yeah Especially when you're a child, you instinctively think you're going to be afraid of it. I was petrified of the idea of watching Little Shop of Horrors because yeah. I only saw pictures yeah. of the giant plant. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, that's fucking scary. I don't want to fucking see that. It's fucking, <laughs> fucking terrible. And then like, as an adult, I watched yeah. it and go, 
I was actually afraid. Like this was this is fear yeah. for me. Like this was do not touch this. Do yeah. not do not watch any of this. Do, do you think there's a little bit of shame? In, uh, you know, not shame, but as in dis- shame. This is shame. <laughs> disappointment with this uh, that as an adult you don't find things as scary anymore. I remember films that I saw as a kid that terrify. I mean, even the Goonies scared me a little bit. <laughs> you know, you know, and you watch it back as an adult and you, and you laugh at it. Like The Exorcist as a teenager. Even though I was brought out in 1973, terrified me. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, the whole idea of possession, you know, head going 180, you know, crude language being used for use of a better word. All the language used in this podcast, you then decide to go up a class. Yeah, it was rather crude. Very crude. crude. But no, Uh, I I agree with you. I think because, especially there's a period in time, and we'll talk about this in our review of The Nun, but mm. there's a, a time in films, especially in horror films, where. Expedition wasn't a key part of the narrative, yeah. so it would just have to be kids possessed. Yeah, priest is going to come sort it out. Yeah, you don't need to know how she got possessed. You don't no. need to know why. You, your mind fills in those gaps. Yeah, and your imagination is far more powerful than any any yeah. screenplay will be. So, with the unknown, you you kind of build your own yeah. story, and that becomes far scarier than anything anyone could have told you. And yeah. Now, especially for the last yeah. 10, 15 years in particular, we like everything explained mm. to us. Yeah. This is why this is happening. This is what's causing that. Here's the scientific reason underlining mm. that. Even that could be complete bollocks. And one of the things that I always I, I learned from my screenplay yeah. experiences has been that um, sometimes it's... Shameless be- plug. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes it's Sony call me back um sometimes it's better to show someone than tell someone right like don't don't tell me i get bored of just someone explaining stuff show me or if you're not going to show me deliberately not show me so that my mind can show me by thinking up what it could be and i think that's the other difficulty when you become an adult to have that suspended disbelief yeah for the length of a film is really hard you watch any horror film in my opinion and the first part of it you're engrossed with it you, you, you're there you're believing in it you, you're engaged yeah. with it as the film goes on that little voice in the back of your head starts going nah nah it's not real it's not, and that gets louder and louder and as the film goes on they reveal more and more and more hmm. I think that's the, we're going to talk about this more in The Nun I think when it be, you know, in our review but I think that's the biggest problem with, with Porridge you think about It yeah. it is a brilliant film in my opinion what version uh, the actually, TV movie or the, the I, remake I actually quite like the remake I love the remake um, I think it's classic yeah. and and actually the first part of the remake terrified me I, I was a bit like oh wow this is clowns are a bit freaky anyway I was like this is this is freaky uh, and then you get to the end scene where they're well, no spoiler alert. Um, they get to the end scene and they're beating the shit out of the clown. And I'm like, yeah, I want to beat the shit out of that clown. Yeah. The, the, the sense of disbelief of this being this mythical creature that's killing kids you know, in, in a cycle mm. is actually gone. And I'm just thinking, yeah, you beat the shit out. Yeah, yeah, you go. You kick him in the nads, yeah. you know. Yeah. And, and suddenly it's, that fear is gone. But I don't know if that's part of the journey, like the same journey those kids went on. You know, terrified at first and then realise let's just beat the shit out of it yeah true I mean what's quite interesting to touch upon there is kind of I always compare comedy to horror strangely enough because yeah. actually the delivery is very similar it's about mm. timing and mm. it's about tone mm. and if you look at the last five ten years has there been a good pure comedy? Like, there's no such thing as a pure comedy yeah. anymore. Usually, it's a it's another style of movie yeah. that happens to have really funny writing yeah. in. So you never have a laugh, a laugh out loud comedies per se, or they're few and far between. And maybe that's kind of the same with horror now. You don't have a 
it's very rare, let's just say, that you get a really good out and out, just mm. this is horror. Usually it's a it's an investigation style yeah. or it's a mythical film or yeah. it's a and you can you know you can argue and say that those stars fall in between but I feel like maybe horror's kind of gone a little bit of the way of comedy of there's not many pure horrors anymore yeah. and maybe that's why we can hark back to the nineties and eighties and list uh, you know have a list as long as your arm of horrors yeah. we loved but actually outside of the stuff that Bloomhouse has been doing is there any others out there? I, I don't think so. I mean, I mean, like you said, it's you, you will hark back to the classics. Chainsaw, uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Halloween, It, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. You, you go back to the classics. Yeah, or uh, remakes of them, right? Or so, remakes of them, yeah. or, or, you know, very belated sequels. Yeah. So, like, everyone's really hoped, uh, stoked this year for for Halloween, the, the new yeah. Halloween. Jamie, is it Jamie Lee Curtis? Yeah, Jamie Lee Curtis. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, and everyone's really pumped about seeing the trailer. I mean, uh, they did do some screenings in Toronto last mm. week, and by all accounts, massive fans of the franchise are saying it's it's up there with with some of the best work from there. So, yeah, no, I agree with you. I do mm. think that we need some originality yeah. back. And I don't worry, I, I applaud what the guys at Bloomhouse have been doing. I applaud what happened at New Line with James One with the Conjuring films. Mm. I think they've they've managed to inject some life into it, but yeah. we need more. Yeah, yeah, and it seems to be at the moment. The new horrors that are coming out are these mini series of horrors, aren't they? Like the paranormal activities, the the conjurings. There seems to be you yeah. don't make one horror anymore. You're making a, a little universe of your own. We yeah, say? and I suppose that kind of that kind of makes sense, right? Because mm. the the best horror stories are based around law. Yeah, right. And if you think about the best ones, you talk about your Blair witches mm. and all that. They're based on a a series of stories that we've we've known about and. I think Conjuring's a great example, actually, where they've built their own law and they're now exploiting that, whether it's the Annabelle films yeah. or now the the Nun movie and maybe there'll be other spin-offs from that, who knows? And it's <laughs> Just all... to clarify, you mean law is in L-O-R-E rather than L-A-W, don't you? Yes. It took me about 10 seconds. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I was like, law? I've, I've been listening law to... Law and order? <laughs> no, no, there's, a, there's a really good podcast called Law, L-O-R-E, mm. and it's, um, it's done by a guy called Aaron Mankey. It's a mm. funny name. And he always starts the podcast with I'm Aaron Mankey and this is Law but he talks about the history behind the stories we love so we talk about zombies but he actually zombies date back to voodoo doesn't it a bit of voodoo Aztecs about how they'll preserve death and everything else and how these stories mould into becoming stuff that we we well and truly love now so really really highly recommend it I've got to start bigging up other I've got to stop bigging up other podcasts look if you like this podcast just stick with this podcast and you know what fuck everyone else tell people you like this one yeah we'll give you all the best bits from the other ones anyway (laughs) (laughs) Um, anyway that being said thank you very much so um, if you've if there's other horror films you want us to talk about, if there's horror movies that you think that we've not given justice to, or you've there's films that scared the shit out of you you want to give a mention to, get in contact at Talk Filming to me. I had a series of visions when I was younger. And after each one ended, the same thought would be stuck in my head. What did you see? I saw none. The Nun is a film set in the Conjuring universe, but set long before Lorraine and Ed investigated the strange goings-on in the Perrin household. This film's directed by Corin Hardy, British director. Good to see him. <laughs> Good to see him there. Yeah. Blowing the flag. Yeah. Um, he worked on a previous film called The Hallow, and in notoriety that 
brought him the attention of New Line Cinema mm. and gave him one of their favourite franchises. This film is set in 1952 Romania, mm. where a priest with a shady history mm. and a dodgy accent is sent over to Romania to investigate a suicide of one of their nuns. He's joined by a, a I suppose you call it a, what's, what's a sister called who's not a sister yet? Uh, I don't know, an apprentice nun? <laughs> <laughs> we've, got, we've got the intern with us. Um, uh, yeah. she, she's here on work experience. <laughs> I, think, I, think, I think they can still be sisters until they're, they are done their vows, I think. An unvowed sister, shall we say. Right, okay. Well, anyway, he oh, is joined... Was it a bride of Christ? No, that's a nun, is a bride of Christ. <laughs> well, anyway, let's call her sister for the right. purpose of this. She's called Sister Irene. She goes over to the Carter... I think I pronounced that right, Monastery, uh, and basically there to investigate. Um, This film starts off with a pretty quick pace. It starts off with, spoiler alert, the suicide of said nun that they're going to investigate on. You don't know what's going on. You don't really know what you need to know. It's just a case of something bad has happened and they're going to this fucking scary place to find out what's going on. Um, There is other cast members in this that aren't particularly prominent. There's a a French-Canadian gentleman under the nickname Frenchie who is absolutely hilarious in this film, actually. I started off not liking him because his accent was all over the place. Uh, Jonas Bloquette? Is that his name? Bloquette? I I might not have said it correctly, but Jonas Bloquette, I think. Ah, cool. Cool. Well, um, he does a really good turn in this. This film was written by Gary Duberman, who actually has quite a few things on his CV. He, uh, He wrote... It's the remake. He also wrote the Annabelle movies and he has been very much part of the Conjuring world. He is very close with James Wan who helped produce this film and obviously made the Conjuring movies. So yeah, this is in good company. Um, Corin Hardy, although he's new to the scene, he's surrounded by very experienced veterans in terms of penning these sort of films but also the support of New Line Cinema in terms of the budget. And it shows in the film. It was all filmed on location. And he even got uh, a... I can't remember the the actual term for this. I think it was just a a nun or a priest to come and bless the site while they were working. And I was at a live interview with him a couple of weeks ago, and he is a really he's a he's a you know when you see something you're a cool looking dude, right? He had a cool hat on. He he paints his nails, but he kind of goes of his look and like he had this crucifix with him and these cool toys, and he was talking about his experience over there. And you're sitting there, you know, I can listen to you talk all day, mate. You've got some interesting shit to talk about, and. um, he was talking about when he had the the set blessed, but also um, that every now and again these nuns would just turn up and make sure everything's all right. Now the whole concept of um, why they were having the set blessed, mm-hmm. I think it bled its way into the film because there's this, this idea of protection yeah. in the film. The actual monastery is surrounded by crucifixes, like you're talking thousands of them, and uh, they they say this isn't to protect from evil coming in; it's to stop evil from escaping. Yeah, actually, yeah. and. Every, like every now and again, these nuns would turn up on set, A, just to see what's happening in their building, but also to bless and make sure it's going on. All right, anyway, one day, um, Colin Hardy had a ring on his on his hand, and it fell off, and he swears, truthless, it rolled to one of the nuns. Like, it defies the laws of physics, how it rolls to her, and she picks it up, and she blesses it, and gives it back to him, and says, you want to be wearing this, and he hasn't taken it off since. Wow. That's a bit freaky, isn't it? Yeah, well, he, he also mentioned in an interview as well, which I saw, um, that he went into, so down in the catacombs sort of bit where they did some filming, he had a side room set up with all his monitors so he could do his editing and so on. And he went in and he saw two guys sitting in the corner uh, and he just assumed they were Romanian, sort of like cameramen, soundmen, whatever. He just sort of said hi, sat down, started editing. After about half an hour or so, he turned around to the guys and said, oh, do you want to come have a look at this? Um, to sort of get their opinion. And there's only one door in and one door out, and those guys weren't there anymore. 
And so he, he's pretty sure he saw two ghosts. I'm pretty sure he was probably so engrossed in his work, he didn't see them walking out the door going, see you later, mate. Yeah, we're going for lunch now. Yeah. We're going Subway. You want, yeah. you want anything? You want anything? Yeah. <laughs> All right, see you later. Uh, what? You got Subway without me? Anyway. Um, no, it's, that's, that's quite interesting. And it does, I think, a lot of the inspiration of the location really helped the the story. I think that the pacing is yeah. quite quite good i like the fact that it kind of you know within the first 10 minutes you go from the 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 vatican that was it the vatican to to romania to to pretty much you're banging the house and and bad shit's starting already for me the location is one of the greatest things of this film romania already has that sort of like that that mystic sort of ness to it anyway isn't it? because obviously romania is where dracula's from yeah but it doesn't go it doesn't go it doesn't go no no no, 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 no. Uh, obviously like you know gypsy curses and stuff romania and stuff like that it's got that very sort of magical murky sort of history to it almost as a country And, and as a country most of it is undeveloped as well. If you go to Romania, it's a beautiful country, mostly undeveloped. Um, you know, but people are, you know live a very simple life there, and so you've got this very sort of almost like you, you, you're going into the past. Even though the film's set in the past, you are actually it does feel like you are going even further back in time yeah. when you watch this film. And then the monastery itself is absolutely stunning. Like as a scenery and in the middle of this dense forest, it sets the scene perfectly yeah it kind of harks back so it kind of harks back to elements of kind of golden horror films in terms of it doesn't try and explain too much to you which is good i can't i quite like that and there's one room in particular in the monastery which uh i don't know if they've done this deliberately or if it's just a happy coincidence but all the light is red in the room like it looks like it's it's taken out of a 70s horror movie sort of thing and it's where the priest is basically reading through it's this hilarious scene I'm not spoiling anything where turns out there's something bad going on you couldn't tell from the trailers and he's reading all these old books and he starts discovering about demons which actually if you follow the Conjuring movies it very much goes into other films later down the line and he's there going hmm demon Hmm, snakes and man, this red yeah. light is shining yeah. over him, and it's yeah. just like I think something might be wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Good work, um, but that's kind of my problem with some parts of this film. Right, there's kind of a few plot holes slash you suspend disbelief quite a lot, and yeah. um, there's some decisions that the cast makes which you 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 really do question, even in this world of. Yeah. of Demonic nuns and ghosts. Um, let's talk about the. Let's talk about what was her name? The, the nun herself. Or? Not that, well. I suppose well, a nun, sister Irene, who was played oh, by Tassa. Is it Tassa? Tassa Farmer. And um, she, I thought she was fantastic. She was brilliant. She she was the main character in this film, yeah. and she owned it. She yeah. was a brilliant actress, and actually. I said to you, Finn, and I said, I judge a film by how much I fidget. I fidget a lot in the cinema. I'm much to everyone's annoyance around me, but fuck it, I paid for the cinema. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and uh, but this film, I hardly moved. Like her, her performance captured me. Yeah, I thought she was fantastic. Mm. She's she plays naive innocence brilliantly. She also plays hero amazingly yeah. well. On top of that, and there's quite an interesting dynamic because she's not taken her vows yet. She's kind of got this this. Uh, I suppose torn between this dynamic of do I do my calling and my following or do I do what I want to do? And she makes a decision throughout the film and yeah. it lends itself to that narrative as well. Um, yeah, I, I think the main cast is absolutely brilliant. I think the the woman they got to play the the horrible nun, the, the scary Arendt, nun. That's Bonnie Aaron, is that? Yeah, yeah she, she was in The Conjuring 2 as well. Ah, nice. Same, same nun or same woman. 
playing. Spoiler alert there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but yeah, I think she's absolutely fantastic. She obviously shines through in this. Yeah. If you are a Conjuring fan, there is Easter eggs aplenty in pretty much every scene. Yeah. And uh, and I although I, it's been a while since I watched those films, all of a sudden I'm like, oh yeah, that happens in the film. And there's yeah. a scene where someone gets out of bed and the crucifix turns upside down in the exact same way it did in that first film. Yeah. So there's lots of stuff here, and there's a really nice interconnecting scene between actually how the end of the nun finishes and yeah. the start of the conjuring yeah, happens yeah, yeah. and that was a nice scene it was executed very well done right at the end of the film and you go oh that's how it's all connected and um yeah i've i enjoyed it but that being said there are some plot holes so it does have some plot holes the decisions of the characters do suspend disbelief to yeah. an extent but i do think it's earned the right to be part of the conjuring universe my, my biggest issue with 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 the nun in two senses here the film and the nun played by bonnie harrens um, is we spoke about this earlier in, in the podcast where we spoke about not you know not being told everything not being shown everything that element of mystery you know yeah. none very early on you catch glimpses of her eyes you know those dark scary eyes awesome you know you catch glimpses of her here and there in the final scenes you see her full face and at that point I was a bit like oh she ain't scary she looks like She's had a heavy weekend. She ain't <laughs> scary, and, and and for me that 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 element of show all. Are you saying just, it? You saying it looks like three a.m. in a Weatherspoons on a nuns and tarts party? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. I just at that point I was like, that 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 for me was where I went oh, and that and that ruined that whole because I, I was engrossed. I was engrossed in the film, mm. and and suddenly at that point, and it's funny that such a small thing could. Ru- almost ruined the film for me but I just felt that whole unknown that whole mystery too much unveiled yeah yeah. yeah. it just it just exploded at I point. felt there was kind of the jump scares were, yeah. were great but there was too many like it was just yeah. jump scare jump scares jump scare to a point where you were expecting it so yeah. all of a sudden it lost it lost the overall value so sometimes less yeah. is more and there was no stuff. screams in the cinema was there those jump- normally when you go see a jumpy film there are screams in the cinema yeah, and there was none. But it was a packed cinema, though, it was wasn't packed, it? Like, it was so I think that shows, box office-wise, yeah. I think it's going to do very well. Um, so anyway, let's let's finish this off. Um, I personally think that this is a good film. I really, yeah. really enjoyed uh, the world it sets in. It, it adds more uh, lore, L-O-R-E, to <laughs> the, the Conjuring universe. And I really hope we see Corin Hardy uh, directing other stuff. I mean, he was twice within a hair's breadth of ha- uh, directing The Crow, um, the remake oh, no, of no, no. Jason Momoa as the yeah. as the lead in that, and he he talked about it a little bit in a previous interview, and he is still very fresh to him in terms of you know he's pretty disappointed about that. Yeah. Hopefully it will happen, and I hope this is going to give him even more of a platform to move on to. I also kind of hope he just sticks around the Conjuring universe. I kind of want him to do a, a sequel, the Nunning maybe, <laughs> Nun Hard, yeah. <laughs> Nun None. Hard with a Vengeance. Yeah, oh, you beat me to it. I was about to say it. <laughs> Or, or just it's just, a nice nun to nun hard. Or, <laughs> Does that work? Uh, or maybe just this one, second to none. Second oh. to none. Oh. There we go. Colin, call me up, mate. We can we can make it happen. <laughs> but um, but I'm I'm going three out of five. Where do you sit on this? I, I, I sit a little bit lower, even though I, I, this is hard for me. I enjoyed the film. Horror films are never going to be high scoring films, I don't think. Horrors in general. So I'm going to sit at two. Two? No, I'm going no. I'm going to sit two and a half. Two and a half because. The final scenes just didn't mould the rest of the film, and that's where it should be punching you in the gut. 
Can we meet in the middle and say not quite a three? Uh, Two point nine. <laughs> no, no, we don't. We don't do half measures, yeah. so we'll just say not quite a three. Not quite a Put three. that on the poster. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so there you have it. Not quite a three. The nun. Thanks. Hey, filmy guys. So uh, the Predator has only just dropped in the UK. I recently went to a late night screening because the UK wasn't getting press screenings for whatever reason before. Uh, the recording you're about here is my initial reactions. We probably will do a spoiler cast about this because we love Predator and we think that we probably should talk about it a bit more but this is the first official Talk Filmy to Me review. Do you know what my job description is? I'm in acquisitions. I look up and I catch what falls out of the sky. What's on the ship? Predator, 31 years in the making. This is based on the film that originally came out in 1987, obviously starring Arnie. It actually had Shane Black, the director of The Predator, actually starring in the original film. He was Hawkins, if you remember that guy in the original. He has obviously gone on to have an amazing acting career. Think about films like Iron Man 3, The Nice Guys, just to name but a few. Um, he has a really unique mixture of humour, horror and action, and he applies that blend, I think, to some success in this film. Now, this film is kind of a sequel, but more of a reboot. It pays a little bit of homage to the first and second film, but it definitely distances itself from the Alien vs. Predator films, and it kind of borrows a couple of ideas from that Predator or Predators movie that came out a few years ago, but very much likes to stand on its own feet. Apparently, Arnold Schwarzenegger was actually offered a role in this film, but um, he sat down with Shane and said, um, imagine in your typical Arnie accent... Um, I have other films to do. Um, basically, he was very busy in the, the Terminator reboots that are happening at the moment, so he had to decline. So there is no direct call-outs to Dutch in this film, but you can imagine it's very much set in the world that Dutch and his crew originally investigated on back in 1987. Anyway, fast forward the present day. The story of this film is about an alien ship that crash lands during a military operation in uh, attempts to free some hostages where Quinn McKenna who's played by Boyd Halbrook you may know him from Narcos as well as Logan he's fantastic in that as well uh, basically uh, he crash lands um, whilst this military operation is going on they decide to to kidnap the, the predator take him in for scientific study and a government agency start getting involved and then then a new predator is dispatched to come to come save the, the previous predator basically that's, that's the general gist of this film um, as you can imagine and it kind of engulfs a town and it gets more action orientated. This is kind of set like a like a PG-13, even though the gore is quite high. So they've done a really good uh, challenge here to to keep it at a, uh, a, I suppose, a nice way of saying that they've managed to dumb it down just enough and keep it light enough for kids, but it's still dark enough for adults to get something out of this. And um, cast-wise, I've already talked about Boyd. We've already got... Um, uh, Trevente Rose, we've got Jacob Tumblay, we've got Keegan-Michael Kay, Olivia Mann, Sterling K. Brown. Sterling K. Brown in this film is the standout performance. He plays a government agent who's kind of the good guy, kind of the bad guy, a bit of a dick, but he does an amazing job being played by Sterling in this role. And If you've enjoyed the first Predator film, then there are lots of things to call back on on this, which is, you know, there are some cool, nice little callbacks to that original film. It starts off really good, actually. It starts off really, really strong. The action in this is quite good. I do find that... Uh, Boyd, even though he he doesn't have much with the script, he really does give it his all, and you do find yourself sympathising with him. But at the end of the day, this is an action film. It's about it's about predators, and that's the sort of stuff you've came to see. And that's kind of my problem with this film. It does spend a lot of time on character development, which is okay, but 
it kind of becomes a bit convoluted and they kind of throw a load of deaths in it you know during the film very quickly which kind of leads you to think who's still alive who's still who's still supposed to be here and also it's a very significant drop in effects um in the third act which means that you kind of take yourself out of the film and you realize that mm, maybe they run out of money or it kind of robs it of the the finale it deserves it starts off good but it really doesn't stick the landing and Although a lot of people are hoping for more sequels, I don't know if that's going to happen in this case. I mentioned before it did pinch some elements from previous films, obviously, it being in the Predator universe. Um, it uses the Predator dogs. Do you remember them from Predators? Uh, they appear in this film. They're used quite a lot. There's a question about splicing genes and also different species of Predator. It introduces a new type of Predator, the Super Predator, which is basically a Predator on steroids. And uh, other than just being a lot bigger than the other Predators, he doesn't have any other advantage. And it feels like there's a missed opportunity there so if i had to grade this sucker right now i'd say that as it stands shane black uh, great to see him touching this franchise and using his own style on this and um, i feel the first half is really really good but unfortunately the second half really does really does let this one down unfortunately it's only a two out of five and um, from that perspective and it's been panned quite a bit across the internet right now i kind of hope they learn their lessons and they can come back to this because it does open up a wider question about that was one what about more Maybe even if they pluralized it, who would know? But anyway, the Predator, two out of five. The ultimate Predators. We may die. We're still here. So come and get us, motherfucker. Podcast. If you've enjoyed listening to this as much as we've enjoyed making it, well, yes, please click on the like, subscribe, whatever button it means is that you get more content for Talk Film with me. But actually, tell someone as well. If you find it, if you think we're of someone's taste, send it over to us. We're going to have a website soon, launching lots of cool stuff. But there'll be more on that another time. I want to thank my boy Jamie. How can people find you? Find me on Twitter at Mr. Hannon in Space. Hannon in Space. Next week we'll be back with you. Usual news, film, and nonsense from the podcast, which hopefully was once described as yeah. Not bad. Not bad. (laughs) (laughs) We're down in the basement. We'll lock the cellar door and baby. Talk filmy to me.